daughter um, is giving birth at the moment. Um, the, so the waters are broken, and Celine was up here. And so um, my daughter, it's her daughter, and they were up here, and they're, so they're rushing back to Auckland at the moment. So they're taking, and I've got three of the grandkids with me at the moment as well, which is going to be exciting this week. I, I enjoy it. I like having them up there. But uh, they're hoping to get to Auckland, to Middlemore, before um, the baby is actually born, because uh, Sally Ann missed out on the last one. Uh, <laughs> she'd, she'd been waiting with uh, Ireland for quite some time, quite some time, and then it wasn't coming, so she decided to go back to the house. And just as she got back to the house, the baby was born. It just came like that. So she was a bit gutted about that. So she's hoping she makes it this time. So if you just want to pray... Uh, Lord, we pray that the baby comes well and healthy. It's about four or five weeks early, uh, so it's going to be premature. And, and Lord, we just pray that um, Andrea and Sally Ann make it in time too. Keep them safe on the road, we pray. In your precious name, amen, amen, hallelujah. So that'll be my second great-grandchild. Great I'm not sure whether it's a boy or girl yet. I don't suggest everybody start young, but when you start young, these things happen a lot quicker than you expected. <laughs> great granddad. All right, great granddad's going to bring a message. <laughs> and, um, but I just thought I'd ask with a question, what do you think is probably the best and most lasting contribution we can all make in this world? Okay, anybody else agree with Mark? Anything else? Become a member of the All Black Blacks? No? Lots of money? No? Lots of houses? You're all pretty quiet. But something that touches the heart of God is a willingness to reach the lost. And that's really got to be our greatest thing. So our message this morning is about His final command. Um, and that's important to us. It's important to all of us because that's going to last you probably know that, uh, what Mark 16, probably off, off by heart. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And that is given to us all. There's an interesting verse where Jesus says he came to seek and to save the lost. And so we're about saving the lost. We want to see the lost saved. And yet we forget about the seek business where we actually need to seek out the lost uh, to see them saved. And that's our part. In Timothy, we read... God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So how on earth are all people going to be saved? Now, every Thursday we pray. We pray that the Lord will bring people in, that they will bring people into the church, into the churches. And that's part of our role. But we also pray that those people that you invite will come as well. So we know that our people are inviting people. We know that our people are speaking to people. So we try to pray those ones into the church as well. We don't leave it all to God. You know, we heard those two quotes, and I just want to repeat them again that Pastor Tark mentioned last week, if you were here. Uh, we strayed from being fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. And the aquarium talks about being the church. And we're good at keeping the church going. Um, and I spoke about that once before, about especially during when we were in lockdown, how we could keep in touch with the church, but it was very hard to keep in touch with the unchurched. And then the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. 
And once upon a time, that used to be what churches did. They sent people to faraway places, and our missionaries were the heroes. And New Zealand was one of the greatest country per capita for sending missionaries out into the faraway places. But the New Zealand church declined. And so, because the church forgot about reaching our own people and reaching our own community. I think here in the Kaitaia campus, we are gaining some momentum in this area. And I reckon I've been nagging about this ever since I came here, because I see that was the most important thing for this church. It's lovely to see what is happening in the youth, and I, I might mention that as well. But we can see with our eyes when we come in here that God is doing something special. You know, when I stood up here this morning, and um, Mikhail was saying about having tears, and you know I have tears often because I feel at that time I'm touching the heart of God. Now, people don't need to come forward, but sometimes even that is so tough for us. We're so set in our ways that to walk forward and to just blubber or praise or kneel or something different in church is just so hard to do because our flesh holds on to us and it just stops us from doing that. I wanted to stand here in front with the kids. I'm not as good as jumping. My knees aren't as good as healthy as theirs, but I just wanted to be close to the Lord. I want that opportunity so I just encourage you, imagine if the whole church was up the front, what that would say, it says a lot. It says a lot. I'm not saying it, you have to, but it just says something about your heart. You know, what are the, I just felt that, you know, I just want to give a couple of scriptures out of the book of Acts, because I do feel that we are gaining some momentum in that area. And if we just see there that the day... You know, 3,000 souls were added to them, and the Lord added to the church daily. And that's what I'm wanting to see here. I'm wanting to see that the Lord is adding to us daily. Well, so what are the, some of the simple things that we can do? What are some of the simple things that you are doing? We can pray specifically for those that we want to see saved. I find myself that I, I, forget, I forget to pray for some people. Suddenly I'm reminded about them and think, I haven't prayed for them for quite some time. You know, we need to write a list and put them up where we, we're continually seeing that list. Mikhail was saying about standing in front of the pantry. I think on the fridge is a good place to put names of people we should be praying for. Every time you grab that handle, you know, you think, oh, yes, I must pray for such and such. And it only needs to be a quick prayer at times. I think the other thing is to smile at people smile. We go into town and say, I'm on a divine purpose. God has sent me into town to get my groceries. Who am I going to meet? Who am I going to bump into? And smile at people, I think, is something quite simple. And then support the initiatives of the church. You know, we've had initiatives here. Uh, we had Friday fun night and then Friday fun time. And, and we saw a hundred children in here during the school holidays, and 50 of them put their hands up for salvation. When did the last time you see 50 kids give their heart to the Lord? We've got to, as a church, support these things. The next time we ran it, there were less kids, but 20 kids put up their hands for salvation. That's 70 kids in the community that took advantage of that initiative, or their parents took advantage of that initiative and brought people in. 
And this Alpha course is an initiative because that's what we want to do. We want to reach the community. That's the only reason we run the church, really, is because we're missional and we want to reach the community. There's plenty of churches. I'm told when I got up here, there were 28 churches already up here. We don't need you, Paul. We don't need church unlimited. We've got enough churches. But are you seeing salvations? Are you seeing churches full of young people? So God had a purpose for us. And I'm not being big-headed about that, but we're missional-minded because we want to see the lost saved. And that's our purpose. So I'm suggesting get behind this. It'd be a shame that six people turn up to Alpha. John will run it. Those six people will be blessed. But we all have that opportunity to invite people and take advantage of what God is trying to do here in the community. I agree with what uh, Sally Cock said. I think that's how you pronounce it, K-O-C-H, um, some time ago. Great opportunities to help others seldom come, but small ones surround us daily. We're, we're waiting for the burning bush. But, you know, the other day I went out and put my rubbish out. And, uh, you know, I, I take it out in the morning uh, so that the dogs don't attack it. But anyway, I looked down and I noticed that my neighbor's rubbish sacks had been clean, you know, a dog had got into them, let's put it that way. There was rubbish everywhere. And the first thought of me, I'm glad I kept. I didn't put mine out too soon. That was the first thought. And then the next thought was, I hope they're out early enough to see that mess before the rubbish truck comes because they won't pick all that up. And then the third thought was, Paul, why don't you go and clean up that rubbish? <laughs> so I went and cleaned up the rubbish. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that to... But you know what I mean? That the flesh, I mean, it wasn't an argument, but the first thing is I'm holier than now because I'm glad mine didn't get ripped, if you know what I mean. But then I don't know if anybody saw, you know, and, and I wasn't worried about that, but I just wanted to clean up those and get them all and tie the sort of the bags up again. There are small things that we can do daily. That's what I'm saying. Small things come along all the time, but is my heart in it? Am I there with what God is trying to do? You know, Peter and John in the book of Acts, they said when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And as we know, these untrained, unlearned uh, fishermen helped birth the Christian church. Amen? These were fishermen. You guys are the same. You're all fishermen up here. That's where we get our kai from. It's there. That's our supermarket, isn't it? I'm not very good at fishing, and neither is Sally Ann. We stand there until people feel sorry for us, and then they give us fish. <laughs> Especially at the Unahi Wharf, when the, when the fishing boats come in. They look in our bin and say, not doing very well. <laughs> but you know, they were fishers of men. And if you think about your occupations now, what's your occupation? Whether it be student or whether it be nurse or whatever it is, that's your occupation. But you are fishers of men. And God wants to use you as fishers of men. Timothy tells us to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Is that slide number eight? It's coming. 
that's within us. Sorry, I was thinking of one, one verse. It's my fault. Um, stir up the gift which is in you. So in other words, it's there. It's in each of us. It's not something we need to go and get and bring into us. It is within us as Christ is in us. And he says there, I gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we all have that within us. God has put this gift. Why? So that we can seek and save the lost. You know, Oswald Smith said, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. And that sounds good, but I guarantee you can think of churches like that. And some of you have probably been in churches like that, and that's why you're now here where you are, all right? Where churches have actually come to that place where they fossilized. So I just want to cover quickly three misconceptions and and try to debunk these things. Firstly, dividing the church into categories. You know, there's the clergy and the laity. And those two words actually aren't in the Bible, but it speaks about the, ma- the pastors or the ministers and the congregation. And you'll know in some churches they put a, a nice fence here and, the, and a, a raised area, and certain people aren't allowed up, you know, through there. The, the, the laity can only come this far. Uh, and, and you know, you know why those fences were put originally? was actually stop the sheep getting up there and spoiling the stuff at the top. The animals, it was to stop them actually there, but then it became this important thing where everything above uh, this side of the fence was more important than that side of the fence. And that's not the case. We're all full-time ministers of the gospel, each one of us. And the other misconception, another one is that the church needs a mission department or a missionary department. Okay, if you're interested in missions, you go into the mission department. But we believe the whole church is the mission department, and it's all our responsibility. Right, secondly, the second misconception is that the focal point of Christianity is our church services inside these buildings. But the trouble with this thinking is that the lost actually outside the building. Now, we know we see things happen here. We see people get healed. We see people get restored. We see people get saved inside the building. And that's good to bring people in. But this isn't the focus because this is only one short period on one day of the week. What happens to the other six days of the week? Well, sometimes people don't care what happens the other six days of the week. One of my neighbors is a Catholic, and they do some things different. I don't want to knock anything here, but when you hear her yelling at her kids, you wonder if Christ is in her, put it that way. So sometimes our neighbors need to be reached as well, no matter what their religion. But we need to walk the walk every day of the week and reach our neighbors from Monday to Saturday as well. The third misconception I just want to mention is the marketplace ministers are not as spiritual as church ministers. It's a misconception that somehow the pastor 
or the bishop is more spiritual than anybody else. You know, our spirituality comes from spending time with God. And so anybody who spends time with God can be, in a sense, spiritual because they understand spiritual things and they walk in a spiritual way. So we try to encourage everybody to have a personal relationship with God, spend time with God, have their quiet time, get to hear His voice, get to know Him, and so that we do not divide the church into categories. A testimony passed on to me. Um, I heard that this lady was virtually blind from glaucoma. She also had emphysema from smoking three packets of cigarettes a day. Her marriage was on the rocks. She was an alcoholic and suicidal at times. So she had it, it looked like it was pretty rough. Could be somebody in here. But she was given a Jesus Saves tract. And she heard in her heart these words, Jesus Christ is the only answer. So here this woman of, with terrible problems was received a Jesus Saves tract. She said she couldn't get these words out of her mind and in time got saved. She said, I have found peace, peace I've been searching for for 38 years. People are searching for God. They just don't know where to search for Him. And we need to help with that. From that night, she never smoked or drank again. One day, while worshiping in church, she felt like a knife cutting away behind her eyes, and her eyesight was healed. How about that? From a tract. It started off from a tract that somebody lovingly gave her. You know, Selwyn Hughes, I don't know if any of you know him or knew him, but he's passed away now, was a Welsh Christian minister, best known for writing the daily devotional, Every Day with Jesus. In fact, those devotionals were out before the word of the day came. He founded the Christian ministry, Crusade for World Revival, and wrote over 50 Christian books. And George Carey, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, described Hughes as a giant in the faith. But as a young pastor, Selwyn often felt afraid to preach about hell. But the Lord graciously gave him a vision. Have you ever asked the Lord for a vision? Walking along a pathway that stretched over London, he saw multitudes of people streaming along a highway. And in the middle of the highway, he saw a man with a red lantern shouting, Go back! Go back! He was then transported by the Spirit above the people and saw why the man was shouting, Go back! Go back! The road ended in a sheer drop. But as people got close, they were unable to turn back because of the crowd pushing them forward. He watched each person fall into what he realized was a lost eternity. Their cries haunted him and haunted his life by what he heard from that time. This vision transformed him and his approach on hell and heaven. I don't know if I want a vision like that, but it transforms us when God brings a message to our heart. But this 
Selwyn didn't hang on to it. And I think that's what made him into the man that he was, his desire to see people saved. You know, I'm going to put up the picture now from William Booth, who was the Salvation Army founder. This is a vision that he had, and it was painted. And depending on how close you are, is how much detail you'll see. But there's the sea of humanity here. And the people are substance abuse and uh, suicidal, and there are words up there that just describe people out in society. And you'll see around the edges there, people pulling the people out. That's what he saw, the Salvation Army, was to be there on the water's edge or in lifeboats, um, pulling people out of the sea of humanity, rescuing people. It was a, it's a very, very powerful vision because, unfortunately, the church today is seemingly good at this bit, but then people sort of wander up the cliff and away from what? What do they wander away from? Pardon? The front line. And what's the front line? The mission of pulling people out of the sea of humanity. So people get pulled out of the sea of... You did. We all did. We got pulled out of there at some stage in our life. And now where are we? Are we at the edge, pulling more people out? Or are we wandering off to our groups and our clubs and our cliques and our quiet times? No good to anybody. And we become super spiritual. And we'll give advice to all those people around the edge there. But we need to be at that sea of humanity pulling people out. Every one of us. So my challenge is, what are we doing to prevent people falling into a lost eternity? Jesus said in John 20, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. It, it could have said, I'm sending some of you. And so some of you, or some of me, could say, that's not for me. But he said, I'm sending you. So as a church here, you know, I mentioned before that our Friday fun times was for youth. But you know why we, we slowed down on that? Because we just didn't have the people to run it. And we need people to run these things. The Alpha course, we wanted to go. We wanted to reach the community. But it could fall over because nobody wants to come. And these are opportunities that we are giving our church community to get behind. This is a small group ministry. We'd like people to get together, and they could just be interest groups, you know? But we'd like people to look after each other. And then our youth ministry, where we're into the high schools. And we saw here, I just put up this photo here. This is yesterday. As I'm saying, I'm not being... Big-headed, because all praise goes to God. But when are you seeing that? When do you go to the beach and see this happening? I was standing there and thinking, the church needs to be here. And next time, I've, I've, I'm going to invite you to come to the next water baptism. 
and be at the beach and enjoy this experience when 11 young people are getting baptized on a freezing cold day in the freezing cold water and all the kids are getting out there in the water to celebrate an awesome occasion. Let me tell you that every scone buttered, every chair put out, every floor crumb swept up, whatever you do on a Sunday, whatever you do during the week that helps this church, you are doing missions. But I want more of you doing it. It's not enough. We can't say, well, let's leave it to the young people. No, we have, to, we have to demonstrate a pathway that the young people will follow and not just hand it over. So I want to thank you. If you're doing anything for this church, I want to say thank you. It's missional. You're on a mission. This church is about mission. Every single dollar that goes into this church comes to this church. And it provides mission-minded people with an opportunity to do mission. The toasted sandwiches on Thursdays at the high school is going up and up and up. More kids are being reached with a hot breakfast in a high school. Doors are being opened in that high school. Why? Because God loves those kids. And he's using our leaders to reach those kids. You know, Joanna Thomas, um, I heard her interview on Radio Rima some time ago and I managed to get hold of um, her t a little bit of her testimony and I'm going to read it out. Joanna Thomas is a remarkable woman who first worked against apartheid and then turned her attention to a local problem, the most violent prison in South Africa, where Nelson Mandela spent eight years of his confinement. Joanna started visiting prisoners daily, bringing them a simple gospel message of forgiveness and reconciliation. She organized a tiny ministry with the grand name, the Center of Hope and Transformation. The year before her visits began, the prison recorded 279 acts of violence. The next year, there were two. One year, two. And the following year, eight. When she was interviewed by the BBC, the reporter said to her, but I still don't get it. I said, these guys are monsters, rapists, murderers. And from what I can see, you are simply holding Bible studies, playing trust games, having prayer meetings. What really happened to tra transform Polesmore Prison? Joanna looked up and said, almost without thinking, well, of course, Philip, God was already present in the prison. I just had to make him visible. Now, you may have heard me say this before. God is present in the high school. God is present in your workplace. God is actually present in your home and even in your neighbor's home, even though you'd wonder about that when the police turn up regularly. 
He's present, but it's our job to make him more visible. My job too. I've lost where I am in my notes now. I'm getting excited. You know, there's a verse in Acts 4, and it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given unto men by which we must be saved. What's that name? What's that name? Well, there's a quiet movement going on here. It started quiet. What's that name? You, you find you, you struggle with that. There's something in you that you can't do that. What's his name? Jesus. Now. And that's the enthusiasm we need to take into doing it because our flesh stops us. Our flesh prevents us from doing a lot of stuff. And our flesh holds us back from reaching others. You know, in Acts 20, 25, it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And giving the message about Christ is the best thing that we can do. You know, Calvin Coolridge said, no person was ever honored for what he received. He was honored for what he gave. If you've been to many funerals, you'll know that that's the case. You can never outgive God as you give opens windows of heaven over you. You know, you're on the, your receipts there, I'm just going to get the, the musicians to come up. On your seats, there's a faith promise form. I'm mindful of time, and I was just getting excited there, and I know I could go on a bit longer, but this faith form promise form here is for an opportunity for you to give to missions. But I just want to explain it, because it looks a little bit complicated. If you thought to yourself, well, I'd like to give to missions, how much would I like to give in a year? Let's say you said, I'd like to give $120 to missions a year. That's for things happening outside our church. You're tithing and you're giving on Sunday helps this district. Your mission offering allows us as a church to give to the greater church instead of holding it all to ourselves, the greater community so if let's I'm just using round figures $120 you said a year so that's that works out at $10 a month doesn't it that's all you're saying I'd like to give $120 this year or a year and, and so that works out at $10 a month but then the faith part is what could I believe that God would actually, if I start this process, what could I believe that God would put in my hands this year that I could also give to missions? So you might say, well, I could double it. I'm going to believe for another $120 to come. And so you see that would be $20 a month. That's how that works. 
And it's interesting to see how that starts can start off really small. And in your life, you'll see it grow and grow and grow. Your heart for others, you'll think, I'm only giving that and I want to reach that. I'm only giving this and I want to reach them. And your heart for missions grows. So God says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And as your heart grows for missions, you'll see what we're doing in the community here in perspective. We're not, we're not going to feed all the poor in Africa. We're not going to build churches and, and, and Jesus wells all over the world. But we can start somewhere and we can give something. And it just develops and develops and grows and grows. I could, so I just want to encourage you. Please, just now, look at that form. If you need a form, wave your hand and just say, this is what I'm going to believe for. Anybody need a form?